Yeah, we can hear you too. Oh, crap. Okay. Well, I just, as, I just made some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> you made some Pop-Tarts? You don't make a Pop-Tart. I, you I mean put you them a Pop-Tart? in the toaster. I popped some Pop-Tarts. Popped a Pop-Tart. All right. As like a little snack. And then realized, oh yeah, we're doing a podcast here in a second. So, Did you tell yourself Trevor can have a Pop-Tart as a little <laughs> snack? <laughs> no, I should have. You're right. I agree. Okay, so, I mean... Before we really get started, I just want to address a little bit of controversy that's been going around lately. Can I? Can you guys just let me go on my soapbox for a sec? Can I, what, can I ask what controversy we're talking about, or will that ruin it? I that's think that'll ruin it. Let's find out. Yeah, go ahead. A lot of people online have been talking about something that's pretty... I don't know, it means a lot to me, and I, just, I would like for us to just settle the score right now, and I would like to determine... Um, if John Carpenter's The Thing is better than John Carpenter's The Prince of Darkness. And I think some people are saying The Prince of Darkness is John Carpenter's best movie. I watched it. It's really good. But can I think I, The Thing is better. Can I get back to you on that? Sure. Are they both uh, available to stream? In various places, I believe so, yes. That's right. I have every streaming service, apparently. Some legal, some not? Or like... No, they're all legal. It's way easier. And the older I get, the lazier I get. I think That's it's fair. the thing. I think it's his best movie. And it's uh, The Prince of Darkness. Yeah. I mean, uh, Halloween is obviously a classic as well. Oh, um, great movie. But the Thing is currently on Peacock. Oh, gross. That's what I have for... Why do I have Peacock? Champions League? Europa uh, League? Premier League. Looks Premier like League. Of, okay, yeah. Prince of Darkness is also on Peacock. All right. And available to rent from all other online streaming places. I might as well use the one I already pay for. Yeah. Oh, that drink is hot. My goodness. I was telling Matt, but I've got like a really yummy concoction going on here. Trevor, do you want to know what's in it? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. <clears throat> so this is, I mean, we, we we started recording so quickly. I am just trying to get my boys caught up on what's going on. So on what the situation got, is. I've got like three. If we're okay, we're just if we're just talking about the tea liquids. I don't. I can, I'm not sure about the entire proportions of the whole drink. But say you've got a whole like one is your is is tea. So about three fourths of the tea is made up of uh, pumpkin spice chai or excuse me, pumpkin spice rooibos tea from Trader Joe's. Okay, new little concoction they've developed for this this season, which is great. Remember, I did about a one-fourth of the Tazo decaf chai tea. So that makes up the full amount of tea. And then I've got some steamed and frothed milk to make up the rest of the cup. So, And that's split about one-third to two-thirds tea. So we're, uh, we're feeling great, Trevor. So this is like a pumpkin spice chai. Kind of like a pumpkin spice latte -ish. chai. Latte-ish. Not really a latte. Pumpkin spice chai latte without any caffeine. Yeah. Have you, ever done, latte. have you ever done a Daggio tea? What is Daggio tea? A Daggio. It's a company. Uh, Daggio. Yeah. That's an I Italian put, word. Put a link in Slack. Yes, uh, I did. And they just have their, that's their decaf oh, page for Oh my sweet goodness. Thank you for this. I have not. Yeah. And I, A-D-A-G-I-O. Uh, yeah. They've got a lot of decaf teas. The way you produce this link so quickly. I've um, been buying tea from them for... 15, 16 years. So always looks, good, always quality. This is going to make me want to buy a uh, nice 
better tea set for loose leaf. This is uh yeah. and ooh, the a, decaf Earl Grey. Woo. Yeah, it's really good. Uh their Earl Grey is my favorite Earl Grey. And then there's Where's a <laughs> there's a Roybos page. So there you go. Okay. And on that note, welcome to episode one hundred nine of Off the Crossbar, a Ray Salt Lake podcast. You may resume your drink talk. Oh yeah. No, I think that's about it. I think I've got it covered. Trevor, right. what do you you got a coffee going over there? Uh, I got a coffee. Nice. My uh my grandparents when I was in coffee. Seattle, um first morning we were there, I didn't have any coffee because I don't drink like I try not to drink caffeine. It wasn't until that night that I found out that um my grandma told me that she makes it like three quarters decaf, one quarter calf. And so I was like, oh, that's manageable. So I had some the next day and it was delicious. So shout out to Grams for the <laughs> coffee that morning that's the end of end of beverage talk i think oh there i did get some um carly picked up some uh like apple spice uh waterloo uh uh, seltzers or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. haven't tried those yet that looks good yeah they're good maybe it was from target or i don't know one of the two so i'll I'll let you guys know on that one and uh probably next episode um what else i know i think that's all the all the bevy talk but we're feeling good how are, how are you matt yeah i'm good i just went and saw a movie so i'm what movie did you see uh you know i keep forgetting the name uh it was another another anime coming of an yeah coming of age anime uh it was the fifth anniversary and they were re-showing it in theaters and i figure if they're showing something again for the fifth anniversary that's a pretty good sign so i just bought it kind of sight unseen yeah uh, called a silent voice and it was really good uh the nice. music in particular was uh striking a lot of good ambient stuff um which funny i've been listening to a roger eno album for the last couple of days uh called mixing colors Ooh. A phenomenal album uh just some of the best stuff um and you know it was it was almost reminiscent so i was a a happy accident as it were uh, other than that, we had a game on Sunday and it's Wednesday. So I, I don't know. Didn't I'm not, I was not familiar with Roger Eno. I know Brian Eno, but like had no idea that there were brothers. And yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Like the, the brothers that created ambient music, right? Yeah. Like I just didn't know very much about Brian Eno other than that. Like I've listened to just his music loosely because I like sleeping to that kind of music. So. Yeah, um, that's lovely. I you, you mentioned the five year anniversary. I, I was thinking about how Avatar uh, is in theaters right now. Um, mm. The the uh, whatever it's called. Um, what's his name? Uh, I, why do I keep wanting to say it? James Cameron? I kept wanting to say that's Peter Jackson. Uh, James Cameron movie, and of course, this is in advance of the second iteration of Avatar um, movies coming out uh, pretty pretty soon. Um, this is kind of trying to build hype for it or maybe test to see how th- popular they think it's going to be. But it, I mean, it's pretty popular. A lot of people are seeing it. It's back to being number two in the theaters uh, a couple weekends ago, I think. But I, w- uh, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about how in the time since Avatar, the first one came out and the second one is coming out, which is, I mean, James Cameron hasn't made a movie since then. Um He's done like he there's been some little weird things, but he had like he hasn't made a movie like, you know, like this. Um, 
the entire Despicable Me franchise was created and released, including like the spinoff movies, <laughs> of which I think there are five in total. Or yeah, wow, or four or five. Yeah, so that's something. Um, I'm looking yeah. forward to Avatar two. Are you guys going to see Avatar two? <sighs> I I mean, at some point, I'm sure that I will. You and should see it in theaters. I might though. actually go see it in theaters because I feel like. Just like the first Avatar, it's probably not worth waiting to come out in video because the movie theater experience is probably way better Absolutely. than watching it like on Netflix or something like that. But also, I did not like the first Avatar movie. I thought it was three hours of very pretty lights and not much else. Sure. Okay. I didn't yeah. enjoy it. It's fine to be wrong sometimes, but I will also <laughs> ask, um, uh, do you guys remember 3D, like consumer 3D TVs? Remember when that was a thing? I, yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. Was that a why thing? Do why do I remember that? Or why was no. that a thing? Why was it a thing? And That's why? a great question. It's kind of unbelievable how short lived that was. I had a friend when, when I, when I lived in Orem and I went to school, I was going to UVU like right after high school, I had a roommate who uh, bought a 3d TV. The problem was that there weren't a lot of movies he could watch on his 3d TV um so he would just watch like one of the pirates of the caribbean movies over and over and over <laughs> and over again mm -hmm. on this freaking 3d tv and it was so annoying and so yeah, the only movie awful. i've ever watched on a consumer 3d tv is it it was like pirates of the caribbean 3 probably whatever was 2011 um and it was the worst and I hated that TV. It looked terrible. I'm glad those died. Um, and there's no way anyone is like using those in like, I'm sure I think you can turn 3d off. Obviously. I yeah. mean, it just doesn't work for most things. So, um, but yeah, what a horrendous idea that was. I worked for direct TV around that time. Yeah. As like customer service or whatever. And direct TV had like a 3d channel that you could get and subscribe to. Are you serious? Really? Yeah, and I thought that was also always like a really cool idea, like mm -hmm. all 3D programming all the time. Sure. And it turns out like 80% of the programming was like really, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't like movies, like 3D movies. Yeah. Like it wasn't like Pirates of the Caribbean or Avatar or anything like that. It was just like, I'm going to say B-roll footage of sure. a lot of different things. The one that I remember was like, it was like an underwater experience and it just seemed like 30 minutes of like underwater filming it, it wasn't like a show with a plot or anything it was just people yeah. underwater filming like animals underwater that's in gotta 3D. be better than a pirates of the caribbean film right i mean, I mean probably maybe i don't know i like pirates of the caribbean films but let's not get into that uh no it was mm, just like fight. a lot of like underwater scenes or like walking through a forest with like animal like not real life like on a hike things that you know like that it was just like a forest scene and animals popped in and out and like yeah, it was just really like a screensaver yeah it was a 3d was screensaver for 80 percent of the time after dark for 3d movie or for 3d tvs i'm trying yeah and it was just like <laughs> who's gonna be spending 5.99 a month for this crap <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to remember. And then about two years later, turns out nobody was yeah, paying $5.99 no a month was. for that. I'm trying to remember if like, 
you had it like enabled for just like a random show, like what it looked like. And I don't, I, it probably didn't work, but like, I mean, it's I think just it was amazing. like the HD TVs at the time were like, if the channel was broadcast in HD, it would play it in HD. And if it wasn't, sure. it would be, it would not be. Yeah. Like it was I like capable of like interpreting it, if that makes sense. If that's the right way to say that. So are they just making 3D Blu-rays yeah. at the time, I guess? I mean, I don't know why he only... There was no way the Pirates of the Caribbean was the only movie in 3D at the time, but like... It was probably the only one he had. It well, Yeah, it I definitely mean, was, sadly. It was so annoying. I remember that, you know, getting Steve. our first uh, DVD player and yeah. having five DVDs, and we watched you know The Matrix and Twister and... Yeah, Twister's I remember getting a first X-Men. DVD. I think the first one we got was probably a combo. Um, yeah that's what it was for us we got a combo dvd vcr and then but, yeah some other point we got a combo blu-ray dvd player yeah mm-hmm. well and i remember we thinking never bought any blu-rays yeah blue i mean so blu-ray players were so expensive when they first came out yeah. and like correct me if i'm wrong but i think the xbox 360 and the ps3 were both blu-ray players as well and like at one point it was cheaper to buy the game console yep. that supported Blu-ray than it was to buy an yeah. actual Blu-ray player, correct? Yeah, the same thing happened with DVDs and the PS2. Okay. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. And I think I remember trying to use that to get my parents to like buy like a like an Xbox 360 or something. Which I I inevitably and eventually did get one, but I, I don't think it was under the auspices of uh getting a Blu-ray player. But just I mean I don't know. And then like everyone got really into that really not I I would I think per, I personally think looks terrible the like motion smoothing thing. Oh yeah, we we talked about that. Oh, we did that the with the Tom episode, Cruise right? PSA. I don't it, it was a while Two ago, ago. Yeah. Anyway, the any, any Blu-rays and like those really high definition TVs I just associate with that look. Like when you go into Costco and it like everything looks like it's like just really crazy smooth. Uh, it's just not 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 for me, man. Um, I mean, I might as well start out social hour because I'm talking about movies. But I, yeah, let's do it. I watched, um, I, like I mentioned, I watched uh, Prince of Darkness the other day. Uh, great movie. Really enjoyed that. Um, I That's saw the best movie. What a great the, movie. The Thing is the best. John Carpenter, but yeah. American or uh, Prince of Darkness was pretty good. I watched an American Werewolf in London last night, which was very good. Um. I went to, let's see. Oh man. Last week is kind of a blur. Um, I did, I went to via three, one, three again at some point last week, which was great. Got another, another pizza that I could eat and I loved it. We had a, an incredibly lovely celebration of life for my grandmother last Saturday. Um, that was really lovely. It was up at this place in Hobble Creek Canyon, uh trevor as you're familiar you've been there uh-huh it was at the in kelly's grove which yep. is right past the, the golf course um there is a uh there's some pavilions in there and for the longest time we've always had uh their family reunions on my grandma's side um at that at that park since like for my entire life essentially mm-hmm. and um yeah so the hartvigson family reunions take place there so we had her celebration of life there and it was great the canyon was so beautiful colors are amazing right now or i guess they were on saturday i'm sure they're still great right now um yeah so that was that was super lovely the weather was great uh saw a lot of family and whatnot it was it was really nice um and then my 
birthday was Sunday. And RSL gave you the greatest present you could have asked for. Okay, we'll get to the RSL game. (laughs) I know we got free soccer. It's great. Um, Yeah, so had a really lovely breakfast. uh, Had a great time at the RSL game before, during, after, etc. Went to my family's house for dinner. And then later that night, uh, a bunch of friends all got together over here. We have some uh, fire pits over here in our area. And there was a bit of a little surprise thrown for me at the at the little fire pit. So everyone yeah. showed up and we just kind of hung out at the at the fire pits and roasted marshmallows and had a good time for a couple hours on a Sunday night. It was lovely. And then um, Monday I went bowling and I'm worse. I, I turned 30. Now I suck at bowling, which sucks. Yeah. Welcome and, to our, our decade. Yes. Thanks. It's uh, it's good to be here. My ankle hurts. And I went to. Uh, Carly and I went to, to log Haven, the restaurant in Mill Creek Canyon yesterday. Um, just another beautiful drive up there. Just amazing. Very, very good food. Um, just stellar. And then I watched that movie and then now it's today's today. And, uh, went to, I actually, I, I usually don't do this many things for my birthday, but we went and got some sushi tonight uh, with my family and, um, yeah, just, uh, Feeling, feeling good and old and stuff. And then I've been working this week. And I was where did you get sushi? Week. We went to Tsunami today. They're really good with uh, food allergies, and they nice. they're pretty good sushi. So, um, yeah, really enjoyed that. I think that's that's about it. I don't know what else is going on. I we did at some point finish Better Call Saul. I forgot to mention that to Lucas. Uh, just really an amazing ending to that show. Um, I was kind of skeptical about where it was going. There's like a very distinct shift that's partway through the, or like two thirds of the way through the last season. And I was like, um, hmm. ended up loving it. Ended perfectly. Amazing show. Perfect television. Can't recommend enough. Anyone who doesn't like it should wade into the remaining two feet of the Great Salt Lake and float there forever endlessly. So. Um, until the arsenic gets you, I guess. But yeah. Anyway, that's that's uh, I think that's it for me, Trevor. Let's go to you. What's going on? Um, two big things. I I feel like I talked about um about a month ago. My, I went to go see the doctor and had a procedure done. That's right. I remember. Okay. And now then, you've got wings. It's great. No, actually, I, we we finished the procedure last time I went. And so recap my throat, the esophagus. Um, no, back up. There's a problem with the flap that keeps stomach acid out of my esophagus. There's like a flap between your esophagus and your stomach. Oh, it's yeah. You have a uh, what's it called? A hiatal hernia. Oh, that's yeah. That's not what I was going to say, but I have one. I had one of those at one point. Okay. Anyway, so it means that acid um, from my stomach gets into my esophagus, causes ulcers, whatever. Not a big deal, except it is a big deal. Um, (laughs) Made it hard to swallow food and went to the doctor and he was like, let's get you scoped out. And they did a scope and they saw a whole bunch of ulcers and were like, we need to heal all those. And then we can dilate your throat, which basically means they put a, like a balloon thing into my esophagus and just like blow it up and like, Make it bigger. Um, nice. So kind of rudimentary at this stage, but I like it. Yeah. So 
they um I wasn't able to get it fixed when I went in the first time for the scan. So I went back in today, had the scan, they got it fixed. My throat is back to normal. Um, I can't drink soda. I can't, let me back up. I can drink soda and eat acidic foods again. Um, but I'm not supposed to, they said like soda is very bad and I should avoid it for the rest of my life, which is fine. Yeah. Not a problem. Um, but then they were like the tomatoes and tomatoey foods and citric juices, you should avoid. And I was like, let's be specific here because tomato sauce goes on a lot of things that I really like. And tomatoes are on a lot of things that I really like. And they were like, you can eat them, but you just might not enjoy it. And I was like, I'll enjoy it. Don't you worry about that. So Did they mentioned, I mean, you could get on a regimen of like uh, a meprazole if you'd like, and that would, that would probably make a difference. It's an I don't producer. know what a meprazole is. What it's is cool. That? We can talk later. It's fine. I'm a bit of an expert on acid reducing situations. Is so. it just like a, medication yeah no over-the-counter medication oh okay because i've got a prescription that um for it's a ppi that's uh i'm assuming that is yeah yeah um i'm just gonna be on that for the rest of my life which is cool dude same welcome to the freaking club boy (laughs) so um yeah so that happened that was today and it was fine everything went fine nice um so my whole go to the doctor and be scared oh i don't know if i remember i I think I told you guys this last time. My doctor, when I first went in, my like actual doctor yeah. was like, there's a lot of things that it could be all the way from um, very minor stuff to pretty major stuff. So we need to get it scoped out. And he used the word cancer, which scared me because that was yeah. the first time that like I'd ever heard that word in relation to my own personal health. Um, Been there. <laughs> <laughs> good news. Ask the doctor. And I actually don't know if I have, but. I, when I went in, the doctor was like, okay, we're going to do the scan. We're going to check for any precancerous stuff in your throat. And I was like, oh, you're actually doing like, you're concerned about that. And he's like, well, I mean, we're going to look. And when I got out, he was like, no, nah, you're good. There's nothing there. Yeah, it's kind of like when they do an great. oral cancer screening when you're at the dentist, you know, and they do, and they touch your, uh, like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I guess it's mentioned to me before, but it was mainly by a dental hygienist who, Touched my neck or whatever. So, yeah. Nice. Glad, glad you don't have cancer, dude. That's good. I don't even have anything precancerous yet. Um, but they did say what that. about pre-precancerous? We're yeah, all, we're all they, rocking in that zone, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know if they check for that. Um, <laughs> but no, they did say that just because of like what I have, as young as I have it, like the problems that I'm running into, it's usually stuff that people in like their 50s run into. Oh. So it's a little. I've heard that too. Plenty of times. Yeah. It's really unusual that like it's happening to me at this age, but so they're concerned that it's going to be a real problem 10 or 15 years from now, but that's 10 or 15 years from now. Yeah. We don't, we so, don't even know how to think. I about don't care. Um, but anyway, that was today. That was fun. Uh, that happened. That's a thing. Um, the other big thing in my life that's happened recently is I bought a new coffee maker. Whoa. Oh, you, bought, you actually bought one? I bought one and it's getting shipped to my place now. What? Did, which one did I buy? Hold on, because I know I asked on Twitter about a lot of you different, were sourcing, uh, oh, you sourcing were info, sourcing. and yeah. I got a lot of great suggestions. And thank you everybody that suggested it. And I think what You're I ended welcome. up going actually, with I just was... snarkily liked someone's tweets about <laughs> about it. Actually, I didn't have a, couple, a suggestion. There was a couple of pretty good tweets. Um, I think I just got pretty much the one that Colin suggested. Just. Was it a, a Mr. Coffee? Old, like, he, he suggested like a Cuisinart thermal oh, graph yeah. type thing, like nothing yeah. super fancy. 
Um, Ian suggested like a pour over. That's well, yeah, that's what I do. Craft oh, thing. Yeah. And that was really tempting, but the cheapest one there was like 350 bucks or something like that. Great. Which, yeah, I don't have that kind of pour over. I'm not. Ian's living a life of luxury up there in Idaho. <laughs> I can't compete. I'm not like I enjoy coffee and I drink a lot of coffee. As Ian's, we Ian's about. restoring luxury vintage camping lamps and yeah, driving his buses and Subarus across the land. It's insane. Good for him. But I don't drink enough coffee and I don't like coffee enough to spend $350 on a coffee maker. I just want a new one because mine sucks. It takes like 30 yeah. minutes to brew coffee these days. Yeah, that's not, that's not what you want. Do you guys remember me talking about that coffee YouTuber, James Hoffman? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, pretty early on. See what he had to say about new coffee makers. Well, he's pretty. I mean, he's like he is. He really specializes in espresso. That's kind of his thing. But yeah, okay. Um, he uh, <laughs> he bought a ton of coffee gear from AliExpress and did like a YouTube video testing all of this different equipment, including espresso makers, uh, different types of brewers, um, scale. Uh, there was some other stuff. Um, like different types of carafes, um, some of the stuff that oh oh my gosh, one of the, the the big thing that he he bought was a coffee latte art printer, where it uses <laughs> food safe uh, or e- like eating safe ty- like a uh, food coloring essentially, and it prints an image on your coffee foam. I need that. Okay. It's like he bought it at AliExpress for like fifteen hundred dollars. Well, he said 1,500 pounds, so at this point, it's probably like $1,400, so what a steal. Yeah. Um, it is so funny. He put a picture of his face on it, and it like works hilariously well for being like a printing on milk machine. So in case you're like looking to level up your latte art game, uh, there's an option for you on AliExpress. Keep that in mind. No, I did look at um, – I have a friend who's got – who I think for like a wedding present or something, they got like a – ridiculously expensive coffee slash espresso machine and it was like you pour in your coffee beans and it like grinds it and brews it like on timers into like coffee and then it also besides that also has like an espresso thing on the side with like a milk milk frother frother thing and steamer and just like the whole thing and i looked at the price of that and it was like twelve hundred dollars and i was like no oh espresso machines get like if you go to like a coffee shop and you're and you're looking at their espresso machine, like those things are thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, those like machine, those really automated espresso machines that are like between a thousand and two thousand dollars are always really interesting to me because they look cool, but they generally for like coffee makers um, or people who are really into like dialing their coffee in and the way that they like it, generally don't like those machines because you can't really control a lot of variables. Yeah. That, you should be able to, um, or arguably should be able to. Um, so yeah, those are, those machines always look really cool. And I, I'm now that I'm talking about coffee again, and I, am on that YouTube channel again, I'm, I'm going to start getting ads constantly for those machines. Cause that's, they, they just know me. Um, and then I got added to a coffee channel in my work slack and yeah, now it's just, it's, I, I'm, I'm feeling the the pull again and the the warm the weather's getting cooler and I'm just I'm I'm scared a little bit Trevor to be honest. But, but Matt you should you should join join the the club. Come back come back to us Kyle. I mean I I still drink decaf some like I went to 3 cups yesterday and I got a lovely decaf latte and I still love coffee it tastes so good but I just um I'm 
I'm proud to not be held within its grasps. You know, I, I like, I like that freedom I have. Yeah. Using that sounds word, pretty good. Using the word proud there is kind of funny. It's, a little, it took a, a lot funny. of courage. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, like there were two really hard substances I got off of. Um, and it was my SSR, my antidepressants, my SSRIs, which happened on kind of on accident. And then I started getting the brain zaps, which I'm sure I talked about at the time. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, the brain zaps. And then the caffeine getting off of caffeine is also very difficult. And I, it was very strategic after an initial shock with both uh, things. I uh, ended up being very strategic with both after suffering some initial uh, negative impacts and weaned myself off the way you should. So with a pill cutter and a T and T, which I'm not going to tell you which one helped with which, but I think you <laughs> probably guess. <laughs> Matt, what have you been up to? I kind of accidentally already gave my update. You just saw so, a movie. Nothing else has been going on. Um. Hold on, let me look at my calendar. I mean, I played that's games the, with friends on that's the way on Monday. Nice. Um, I've been reading uh oh Rude Gulit's book, uh How to Watch Soccer, I think it's called. I love that. Yeah, it's been good. You like it? I mean, this is exactly what social hours for. You didn't give it all away. What games did you play on Monday? Uh oh, what did we play? You know? So a little pitch here. I'm a, obviously a big board game player. Really? Uh, if you're also a big board game, I know you'd never know. <laughs> For those who aren't background. watching, Matt is literally sitting in front of what can only be described as a castle of board games. Yeah, it's starting it to like surround me and eat me. So I think yeah, I it does it. seem to be getting bigger and like coming towards me. I think I can see it's starting to protrude away from the wall. Yeah. Um, so there's a series of games uh, that are like escape room games in a box. Which is a it's a difficult premise because there are a lot of things that claim to be X in a box, right? And they're they're rarely very good. Uh, but these these games are they're uh, exit the game is the the series, and they're actually excellent uh, with great puzzles, and they're very engaging. Uh, and you know you still lack the physicality of of a real escape room, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like you get this approximation of it that's really enjoyable. Uh, so I, I can't recommend those highly enough, actually. Uh, except the Lord of the Rings themed one, which was surprisingly disappointing. But if you like escape rooms, like check out these exit games. I think okay. I asked you about these once. You may have. I'm a big I fan. Like I wrote about the them in my newsletter uh, two weeks, no, two months ago, probably. Okay. These are the ones I feel like I see these or maybe it's something similar but different. Um, yeah, there's there's just, also Unlock, which is pretty popular. I don't think it's quite as I'm good. Of. But it's the game like you get it and you play it like once and then, like you figure it out. You figure it out. And with these exit games, you often end up destroying things or like yeah. tearing things apart or cutting things out. And there's nothing more fun than cutting something up that you normally feel like you shouldn't. Like there's a real joy in that. And I'm sure it's great for the environment, too. <laughs> for some reason yeah unlock is the one that i've seen a lot i'm looking at it now but. yeah those are replayable i okay. mean you can't like the puzzle doesn't change but you can give it to somebody else to play and that's nice sure <laughs> um and then we also played the crew which is a great cooperative trick-taking game uh and one of my favorite games i guess of all time uh and i've played uh, a lot of it over the last three years two years the two quest now. for planet nine yeah Okay. But huge fan. Uh I think you should buy it right now, Trevor. 
<laughs> I can see you looking it up. I can see in your glasses. Yeah, well, I'm on boardgamegeek.com. Yeah, right now, which most dangerous site in the world for me is a is I mean, well, I'm not going to ask actually. No, I want to know. I'm not as big into board games as Matt is, but I have perused the site a couple of times. Matt, I love that you're into board games. I think it's like it's a good uh, it's a good social hobby for you to be into, assuming you're playing with games or playing the games with people. So I mean, sometimes they just sit on my shelves. So yeah, that's I mean they look cool too. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I would rather. But I'm just thinking about like the games that I like to play, like video games. I miss the days of like LAN parties or like being in someone's basement doing split screen multiplayer. Oh, because now when I play games with friends, it's mainly like, you know, I'm playing with my friend who lives two doors down from me. We're playing the same game. We're playing together. We're on Discord together, but we're and we're probably a total of, you know, fifty feet away from each other. You know, through these walls. And, um, but we're, you know, we're separated physically, which is, you know, sign yeah, of it's times, not the same. Right? It's really not. Wow. And so, uh, you know, even if you're getting a victory Royale on Fortnite, it's, it's not, but like at what cost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, board games are a great thing to bring people together. Speaking of games, um, Overwatch two just recently came out and oh, really? I started, yeah, I started one? playing that and it's, it's almost exactly the same as Overwatch 1, except it's 5v5 instead of 6v6. That's the only... Okay. I mean, that's that not actually, the only... There's obviously, like, a few more differences, but I'm not as familiar with Overwatch 1, so I can't go over all the minutia, but that's, like, yeah, the sure. biggest one. It's, like, mostly the same characters, mostly the same abilities, updated, like, graphics and crap, but, yeah. It, yeah. It's basically just a giant update and a slight difference in the way the game plays. Yeah, I was super into Overwatch 1, I guess, for a while. And that didn't ever seem like a game they would make a 2 for, you know? Like, it's not like, there's not like a campaign. Campaign, It's like all multiplayer, right? Yeah. No, so, it, that's that's kind of the whole thing is like Overwatch, without getting into the whole like, why Overwatch is very stupid um, as like a game concept. Um yeah, the idea between behind making Overwatch 2 didn't really make a whole lot of sense because like I said the only like the biggest difference is that it's 5v5 instead of 6v6 and it's other than that like it's the same characters, it's the same yeah. like Overwatch 1 the first one had DLC, it had microtransactions and it had all those like seasons of game, you know, like yeah, yeah like really you, you play it for 30 has, weeks yeah. and then it moves on yeah. to another season and introduces new maps and new characters yeah that like honestly sounds like making like Fortnite 2 it's like yeah like it's, it's like it's this like is... that so it's it's a little silly but yeah. it's a new game so you gotta try it it's free it's to play, also an opportunity so... to like kind of get like a lump sum of money to fund the operation kind of right yeah like get everyone who likes the game to buy in instead of just buying dlc everyone's giving you like 60 bucks all at once i guess so the, no, the funny thing about free to play games is that you're also free not to play that is true. true. How much is it, Trevor? It is free to like download and get started. Oh, then what? Yeah. Okay, then like literally, what's boxes, the point right? of Overwatch Two? Okay, whatever. Yeah, like I said, it's it's a very stupid like. It's free. The whole oh thing is all very stupid when you get Was into Overwatch it. Overwatch One free to play? I couldn't tell you. I know, I didn't like. I said my roommate I played it a lot, and I've got buying... a friend that or a friend of a friend that like. Makes a lot of money streaming it on Switch or on Twitch. So, 
Uh, the original it? was not. Yeah. Like, then what is Overwatch 2? What are they doing? Whatever. You gotta like get really into it. I got into it enough that like I watched a couple explainers on YouTube and I was like, oh, I don't okay. care. I just want to play the game. I guess the, the point of Overwatch 2 could really be that it's free to play. Like that's like yeah. the reason for it. Yeah, could and be- then instead of instead of getting money from, you know, sales of the game, you broaden your horizons of you know players and then more of them spend money on the game. Yeah, they, they do have get their special um, skins and all yeah, that. so they really did. They really did it to try to follow. They made Overwatch two to try to follow the Fortnite model, which okay. they popularized. Right? They do have the something PUBG that they call the Battle Pass, which you can purchase, and that's like yep. just by playing, you get a whole bunch of like skins and emotes and crap like that. But it is like if you don't want that stuff, you don't have to pay for it. You can just play the game. And I think it's an evil system. I'm okay. I'm honestly embarrassed not, how many times I've said the word Fortnite already, which is like three, <laughs> and I hate to bring it up again. But if you guys want to know where culture is going to die, like the graveyard, it's absolutely Fortnite. If you go on there, it's like this the skins, the songs, the just like everything on there is just like old TikTok memes or like, you know skins that were like really popular for like a minute based on like something like a like a rapper war or like it's really it's really weird and so it's kind of like if you're playing you're kind of just like going back in time over the last like three like three years and it feels kind of (laughs) bad so yeah but it's pretty fun (laughs) yes like it's it's a fun game and i really like it's the kind of nice thing about it is it takes like very little talent to like be competent at the game like i like six months ago i started playing counter-strike or whatever it was and like that's a very difficult game to get very good at uh overwatch is not a very difficult game at all and you can just chill and play with friends and have a good time and whatever so no it's definitely like a silly game like i'm not sitting here being like i'm an adult and i'm playing this adult video game and please respect me but it's it's a fun game cool yeah i don't actually know what fortnite is but yeah anyway Fortnite so, is for childs. Childs for, for children. <laughs> <laughs> it's for childs. Well, I know. No, it, it really is. Um, it's uh, what's I wanted to. I, I heard they released a no building mode, which is yep. the thing I always struggled with the most with Fortnite. And I was like, oh, let me give that a shot. It's pretty fun without the building. Um, I'm still not like amazing at it, but whatever. I'm. I want to not play it anymore. I want to play Ghost of Tsushima, which I. Is a very single player oriented game mm-hmm. or Red Dead Redemption again because it's getting cold and I want to go. You should. Yeah, it's cold, cold hour mm-hmm. game. But anyway, that's uh, that's enough socially. We can't, you know, we could do this all night. But we could. It'd be great. I would love to. Actually, but I guess maybe we should. In celebration of the playoffs, we'll uh, end our social hour about five minutes early. <laughs> and uh, let's talk uh, news and rumors. All right. Cool. Aaron Herrera is still out. And okay. Demir Krylik is at 75%. Trained with the team today. Yeah, he mm, okay. He didn't train fully, which is always like he trained today. Yeah. But he's and, been uh, he's been, you know, present and sure. running and yeah. That's part of training. Yeah, and Pablo uh said that we could see him at the weekend. Oh man, I there's there's, <laughs> okay, there's cool. no actual way, right? 
Pablo's no definitely not a liar and has definitely not lied about a lot of things all season. And I fully believe him. We're going to see Demir. He's going to be starting. If we, I mean, it's, it, it's not going to happen, right? Do like, you think he'll be in the 18 though? I don't think so. Um, I think they'll, I almost said wheel him out. Uh, he is not that injured. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll you know, wheel Demir out. That's so sad. Um, but if, but like it's the same idea, right? Yeah. Like he was there pregame. He was very present all game last game. Mm-hmm. Um, on the sidelines, uh, cheering things on. Yeah. You know great. he he gave like he was part of the you know pregame team talk. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, like I'm thinking of him as a an inspirational member of the coaching staff. That's what it feels like. And if he plays before the like if. And it's a huge if uh, we make it out of the first round of the playoffs and the second round. If we make MLS Cup, I think there's like a a super remote chance that he plays. But if you think back to last year, like in the playoffs, right? Uh, Playing against Sporting Kansas City, rushing a player back. Play against Seattle, rushing a player back. Yeah. Like it doesn't always work. Yeah. the The playoffs are not. And this is like true across every sport that like exists. If you get to the playoffs, you kind of go with the team that got you there. Nobody's getting to the playoffs and then like changing their pitching rotation or changing their quarterback or, you know, anything like no matter what, if the guy gets healthy right as the playoffs begin and he hasn't been there for all or most of the season, like you're not going to rely on that guy because you can't because you have no idea what you're getting. There are exceptions to that. I feel like if the player is like a generational talent, then like Michael yeah. Jordan, right? Like, yeah. Steph like, Curry. Think of the last time if that the, happened. If the Lakers, like, would have made the playoffs last two years. Like, would LeBron have, like, even though he was injured for the last couple months, would he have played? I think so. Um, I feel like basketball is probably a little bit easier. Yeah, you've got more games, weave right? Weave someone into the Yeah. But even yeah, then, you saw the Jazz rush Rudy Gobert back and rush Donovan Mitchell back well, to no, think, no effect, right? I think it depends on like the system that the team is playing because mm-hmm. I feel like basketball is an extremely system heavy game where like it, teams often play like a very defined system. The players they get generally try to fit in that system, and you can swap in and out between these like players in, in, in these systems, I think soccer can be a bit more loosely defined as much as I would like for it to be more <laughs> of a system with this team. But yeah, I, I, I mean, would Demir, I'm not, I'm still unclear where Demir even fits in this team. If we, if he were to play on Sunday, where would he, where would he play? Would he play as a yeah. second striker? The Rubio yeah. Rubin role. I mean, he, the, the system looks very different from how it did even at the start of the year when he was playing, right? Yeah, like the four four two with I mean, we all saw the run the type of runs that Rubio Rubin was was doing on on Sunday. And that's not anything like Demir would ever do. So yeah, just not that that sort of player. Yeah, and Rubin was yeah. having success with it too. So it's like, would we really so I mean, I I don't think I would like. Well, we'll get there. Um yeah, Demir coming back would it, with the, the flip side, though, something that makes me want it to happen is that I think it would be really funny if he played this season again before Bobby Wood did. That would and be kind of sad and funny in a really sad way. Like, 
Bobby yeah, was not know Bobby supposed Wood to be out this long. Like now he's just, I mean, he's been done for the season for a while, but like, yeah. he was, I mean, Elliot said he was going to be our summer signing or whatever. Yeah. Well, like, well, he was expected said to come both back. of them were going to be like our summer well, signing. So I, I knew Demir, we knew Demir wasn't, wasn't going to come back after that back no, surgery. We knew Bobby Wood wasn't. Too, I mean, right? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, he did have a setback. I know. Yeah. That's I, not yeah. unusual for him, but. Right. I was going to say, I just assumed because that's how Bobby Wood operates as well, a professional player. Like he just gets injured yeah. and then stays injured and then never comes back. And then when he does come back, uh, comes back for a minute and then he goes back yeah. out again. Like last year, he came back at a good time and then scored a really, I mean, a game winning goal essentially yeah. against, uh, against Sporting Kansas City. Um, or he scored one of our goals. So, I mean, I don't know, which was sick. I love that. So that was great to see. Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking maybe we'd see something similar this year, but it's crazy that he's just out for the year after like an adductor injury. Correct. I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah. What do you guys think? was the abductor? I, it was one of the two. Do, what do you guys think about Aaron Herrera being out? I saw that discussion on Twitter that was kind of happening that. I can't remember if one of you or both of you were in there, but I, it was with Alex and someone else on Twitter. I can't remember, but essentially saying, oh, it was that KIR soccer. Yeah, account? yeah Steve probably Davis. I was going to say. He's okay, right yeah. for MLS soccer. Yeah, sure. Um, he, uh, he said, I don't know. I don't think this is true or know it. Know if it's true, but he asked if like we're better without Aaron Herrera, um, which is kind of an impossible question to answer because this team seems to look so different game to game a lot of the time. So it's like, like a lineup almost has no difference. Yeah. And so like, like not a clear and obvious like answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, and he, uh, he wasn't saying like one way or the other. I think it was just an interesting point of discussion. Yeah, like if Aaron Herrera is healthy, I mean, what he was leading to is like, if Aaron Herrera is healthy for Sunday, uh, do you, do you play him over what we just did that worked really well against Portland? And I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm not too worried about Aaron Herrera being out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, let's, let's transition here and let's talk about the game a little bit. Um, with Aaron Herrera out, we did see Andrew Brody start on the right in a, a normal, understandable four back. And we yeah. saw Oviedo in his preferred position that he's played most of his career at left back. Uh, and and I'm just looking at some of the stats here, and we can get more into the game, of course. Uh, but but we had uh, four or sorry, three successful dribbles and one unsuccessful from Brody from a right back position in like roughly the attacking third, and that's something Aaron Herrera just naturally does not offer in his game, like almost every other right back, yeah, especially in the league, right. So Brody does provide a different look, and I, I think it's worth investigating that. Um, I mean, we've we've talked about how Brody has been our. He's I, I don't know if he still leads the team in progressive passes, but like his ability to. I mean, I mean, we all saw how we scored in this game, and it wasn't from crosses. Yeah, we scored in a way that I think is more. I think we were clearly more lethal than we have been in a really long time. Uh, I, I so I, we can finish the the lineup here. I am seeing that Oviedo and Brody were two of the highest rated players of the whole match, aside from Savarino. So it's Savarino, Brody, and Oviedo. Yeah. Um, 
and that says something about portland too right well yeah so i I wanted to mention that portland uh they did eventually sub in blanco in the 74th minute but we're missing their uh, two of their best players in this one um eric williamson specifically and uh diego chara um diego chara like his guts gave out and he was in the hospital (laughs) or something um sounded really painful and awful just too bad really right yeah it 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 would have been a fun match with him in there but um eric williamson williamson is a weird one because he's dating a portland thorns player i believe and I can't remember if we touched on it on this podcast, but essentially a ton of things have come out about the Portland Timbers organization. Yeah, uh, we touched on it, but more has happened since then. Yeah. So like yeah. a long time, not a long time ago, within a couple years, there was, um, was it Mora? It was more, I can't remember his first name. Um, uh, wait, Andy Polo? No, not, not Mora. Yeah, you're right. Polo. I almost, uh, slandered. I almost slandered. Uh, Andy Polo was involved in a domestic abuse incident uh, translated. He domestically abused uh, his partner and the Timbers organization covered it up as best as they could paid the woman off, et cetera, all to the knowledge of Timbers leadership uh, and ownership. That was one thing. And then there was an NWSL report that came out recently, just essentially detailing the types of abuse that uh, women who play for the uh, Portland Thorns have um, experienced under Portland, the greater Portland soccer umbrella uh, ownership and front office. Front office people were fired as a result of this um, after a lot of pushback and a lot of sponsors threatening to pull out. Uh, Merritt Paulson, their incredibly annoying owner, who was also apparently the CEO of soccer or whatever for uh, the Portland organization, stepped down as CEO, which does nothing because he's still the um, he's still the owner. And there was something weird that happened with Eric Williamson and Gio Savarisi, and I'm not sure if it was related. I saw a lot of speculation about it. But it was pretty weird that he didn't play this game because Eric Williamson's been one of their best players all game, all season, um, and has he's a he's a very uh, yeah very good, good player, player. Um, really good midfielder. Uh, next to Diego Chara, they they were been excellent. So there was kind of some external stuff going on in this game for Portland. They looked terrible all game, quite honestly. They did yeah. end up having some chances in the second half, um, including a goal that was useless but before their goal they hit the upright and had a chance inside the six essentially that they missed so um but yeah so this was uh i mean we started with an a 4-4-2 we had Saverino playing on the wing uh the left wing um and i was going like i, I saw people you know we had the discussion about how it's you know he's playing and when we say natural position i just mean the wing um, he obviously is he used to start all on the right wing, and that's I think his natural natural position. But I think when he played for RSL last, and we would have him and uh, Plata on the opposing wing, they would swap like mid game very frequently. Like if you yeah. go back and look through like the goals that Savarino has scored for RSL, a lot of them came from the left side cutting into the middle and shooting from distance. Like that's like his thing. Um, so as I think Savarino is very clearly a lot better, uh, not playing the furthest advanced role and playing back to goal and center backs 
Uh, I think he's obviously a lot better when he plays on the wing. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he had such a good game, uh, honestly. so Yeah, not even close to a coincidence for me. Yeah, so we played Saverino, Ruiz, and Ojeda in the midfield, which was pretty interesting. Um, that was a, a bit of a surprise for me. And we played Chang on the right wing, who I thought had a pretty good game as well. Yeah, and um, definitely we we benefited from the absence of Diego Chara yeah. in that midfield pairing. Totally. But, yeah, we, uh, you know, you only you play the hand you're dealt. So, yeah, absolutely. And we and I mean, OK, then we played uh, Rubio Rubin and Sergio Cordova up top. Um, yeah, like I said, we play that we play the hand where we're dealt. And what I will say is that RSL has played a lot of really bad teams and performed a lot worse this season. Mm-hmm. So it was good for us to go up against a, a good team missing important players, but didn't let like we didn't play down to our opponent at all. I thought for, for most of this game, I think we lost some concentration in the second half, which could have been really dangerous for us, but um, yeah. And then off the bench, we of course had Bodie Hidalgo subbed in Anderson, Julio played Justin Miram played Jasper Lafelsund. All the subs played really well. Julio missed a wide open shot, but we'll, we'll probably get to that. No Danny Musovsky in this game. No Diego Luna notably in this game, um, which was you know, people were, I was frustrated by a little bit, um, but no Scott Caldwell or Nick Beasler either. So, um, so you take the good with the bad. <laughs> you really do. So this game was, I mean, let's just say like, first off, great energy at this game. Uh, tons of fans at this game. This was a Sunday 3 PM game. Uh, it was incredibly packed. I think, it's pretty clear this was the second most attended game this season after the LAFC game, uh, which I think is impressive, especially given that, again, this is on a Sunday at a 3 p.m. That's a pretty tough task a lot of the time or so it's been. Yeah. Um, so that was great to see how many fans got out for this one. Stadium was super fun. I had a blast uh, with my friends at this game who also, we all had fun. We all had fun, I should we it was we had fun and we were good we were we were being fa- we were we were fans at this game and we were being good fans and we were having fun in the supporter section and we were we were having fun um as you as as usual right as we always do <laughs> as we always do anyway so this game started out uh like we were on the front foot immediately we we score a goal that's that's called offside uh it was it was kind of close um but we it was pretty clear that we were playing really well and a big piece of that in my opinion came from our really dangerous fullbacks uh in the offensive third brian oviedo and andrew brody were looking very spry early on and not it didn't look like we were going for the cross uh nearly as much as we we had previously and i think andrew brody really offers us something different on that right side he's the one who scored the goal that was that was called off um Saverino was was the offside player um and from that moment, it was like pretty clear that we were we were playing uh, really well. Saverino scores just a really great goal in the 19th minute. One of the best goals I've seen him score, and he yeah. scored some beautiful goals. Yeah, no, it was and, it was a banger. Yeah, an assist from Oviedo on this one. He's outside the box. He, you know, kind of lets the the defense kind of pick a spot, and then he quickly cuts a little bit wide to the right and then just perfectly curls it into the back post from outside the 18, which was just kind of a, it was kind of a classic Sava goal, but it was so good. So good. Um, like waist height. Yeah. 
everything this. about it like yeah i didn't realize when i first saw the goal um but one of my favorite things one of my favorite versions of a goal is this one where um he de- like he curls it back post ish but yeah what it actually does is like he goes around a defender mm-hmm. and goes around the defender and goes back post which like completely fools the goalkeeper a hundred percent of the time and it re- yeah it was great really yeah. really good perfect execution like he knew what he was doing the whole way he got the ball took a touch scored the goal it was great and as a place shot like it actually bounces inside the six before it goes in but it was like had pace but it was low enough that like it's just so hard that's just a really hard shot to save so it's the shot that uh buffa salceda wanted to try every time right yes yes absolutely right uh 23rd minute marcella silva has a has a header from a from a corner in like inside the six this one should have been on frame um he kind of mistimes a jump a little bit and heads it wide which is uh frustrating but because I, I think we're overdue for a center back goal i would love to see um there's a couple other moments we get some more chances from corners um i think oh it was uh rubio rubin has another one not too much in the first half, uh, but the second half um, starts out kind of with a bang. 48th minute, some really nice play from Pablo Ruiz, uh, Oviedo, Sovereno back to Oviedo. So I think in this league, Sovereno probably gets an assist because he mm-hmm. played the hockey assist, but really nice give and go from uh, Oviedo, Sovereno, who's in really great position. And then he plays the Manchester city pass to Rubio Rubin, um, who one time hits it. It's slightly deflected, but he, it goes in, which was so great to see from Rubio Rubin. I thought Rubio Rubin looked way better than he has in other games. There's been times this season where he's gotten in and has looked like wholly like in uh, not up for the moment. Yeah. Um, he looked really dangerous this whole game uh, from start to finish, which was really awesome to see. Sadly, it seemed to come at the expense of Sergio Cordova for some reason, but um, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that that was, I mean, Cordova had a trademark game. It was, it was a Cordova game, yeah. and there is a moment in, uh, it's yeah. There's there's one that really just kind of haunts me. And I'll get to that in a sec. But I, I was really the second half in particular, I was really looking for the runs from Rubio Rubin and Sergio Cordova. Um, Sergio is a far more reactive player than Rubio Rubin, I think. There's been t- like there are times when Sergio Cordova will go on a really good run and we'll get him the ball in a really dangerous position. Um, but it does seem like we're looking for the long ball in behind the defense for these our, for our defenders, especially against Portland, who I thought were playing a pretty high line um, at times. And I think that was pretty evident by the chances we got in the second half. But there was a, a few moments where I would watch what Rubio and Rubin and Sergio Cordova were doing. And it was really easy to see from the south end. But Rubio Rubin was being really proactive with the runs that he was making. And it was pretty clear that our right and left backs were trying to play the long ball in behind uh, the lines. And Rubio Rubin, I thought, was really good. At getting on the end of those, there were some moments where Sergio Cordova, I mean, there was one moment in particular that I remember there were, where Andrew Brody was pinned in the back right and space had opened for him on the touchline where it was very clear he was going to play. He was going to, his only option really was to play that ball towards the corner flag on the touchline. He was completely pinned the other direction, had nowhere else to go. And 
it seemed like everyone that I was with could very clearly see what was about to happen. And Sergio Cordova waited until the ball was actually played uh, by Andrew Brody and behind. I think at this point it was still 1-0. And, uh, or it was, it was probably 2-0 at this point, actually. And Sergio, uh, Sergio Cordova was just so late to respond to that. And it was just like those, those little moments where Sergio Cordova's brain just kind of seems to turn off. And there was a really bad one in the second half where um, I can't remember what minute it was, but he's a, he's played in, or I think it was another one of the, it might've been like a Manchester city like pass again. And he has the opportunity for a first time shot, like, re, like just outside the six. And he takes just like a bunch of touches and then just gets dispossessed like inside, inside the six. Yeah. Was, I remember that I one. It looked really, really bad from where I was sitting. Yeah, it looked and bad from the press box too. I can't remember if I, I want to see if I can find that, that moment. It's, I'm sure it's in the game log, but I, um, that one was, and that one, as soon as that happened, I was, I was, I was really sure that we were in for, I mean, it was pretty clear at that point, but I was just like, man, this is a classic beginning of the season, Sergio Cordova moment. And that was pretty disappointing to see. That was the moment. If we're talking about the same moment, and I think we are, that was a moment where I had my uh, coworker and his girlfriend were sitting next to me at the game and my coworker's a seattle fan pays a lot of attention to mls doesn't really watch a lot of rsl but enjoys going to games and loves to yell about portland so took him to the game he had a great time but that was a moment where that happened and i just stood up and i like said something along the lines of like all season this is what we've been doing all season with this guy because it's the most court of a thing to happen gets the ball in a great position and then his brain just like shuts off and he we could have had a goal and we didn't just because like i don't know but it yeah it, it's classic cordova and it was really frustrating yeah i was wondering it, it was weird to me because i i just really wanted a game where we had both of these strikers like firing and it would have been really great <laughs> doing to the see. right thing well and that's the thing is like again go, i'm talking about cordova I, I feel like we've got a pretty good read on him he does a lot of things really well. A lot of the time, not a hundred percent of the time, but a lot of the time Cordova's problem is just that last little step. He yeah. gets in the good position. He gets the ball in the right spot. He's making the right runs. But then once he gets the ball, he has to turn and juke one defender, but then there's another. So he tries to juke another defender and then he just ends up standing on the ball and moving it around the box for a minute until he's dispossessed. Because he didn't just like take the first time shot or he doesn't immediately make the the pass. Like he does everything right, right up until the last second. And then it all just goes wrong. And that happened probably three or four times in the game where he was in really good spots with the ball and he could have shot or he should have made a pass and just didn't. And we would lose possession or he'd dribble it out of bounds or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm trying to find exactly when what minute that happened because I I haven't seen the broadcast replay of that. Oh, you know, um, I haven't either. I feel like it was like the 65th to the 70th somewhere. It's in funny there. you mentioned that. That's exactly where I'm at in the broadcast. I bet um, I tweeted about it. Oh, you actually should see and see if we can. Uh, do you think you put the minute on it? I can't remember if you were doing. That. Uh, I did not, but. Well, you can just see like the time that it was tweeted. Yeah. I want to see that moment again. I, I mean, again, I, I, I don't want to hard. I, I, I was, 
I, I just really want to see both Cordoba and Rubia Rubin playing well together at the same time. Cause yeah, especially going into this weekend where I don't think it's, I think it's a pretty good idea for us to roll out a similar lineup. I hope yep. we don't really overthink it, but I, um, Oh man, I did get just get to the part where uh, Chara just smashed the upright, which was yeah. pretty scary. Yeah, that was okay. I mean, while we're right here, we should mention this. Um, Chara hits the upright. This was their first really big dangerous moment where I was like, oh, they're actually like getting desperate here and they're really, you know, trying to stay in this. They're pushing. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, this broadcast is so bad. Um, so. What happens is, um, which I think was was pretty fascinating. So it's it's a turnover in in uh, our offensive third, so their defensive third, and then in transition where we tend to struggle, especially against teams like Portland who always punish us. Um, they play they play a ball in, uh, and it's I mean to me this is looking like. Pablo Ruiz not tracking any runners, uh, sadly. And I think Sabrino doesn't happens. exactly. Yeah. Sabrino yeah. doesn't really cover himself in glory here either. Happens like twice a game. But they play the ball in from the midfield to the attackers, where at this point we have Marcelo Silva marking, essentially challenging on the ball. Justin Glad, who's kind of a little bit of no man's land, but marking their other striker. But unfortunately, we have no one behind Marcelo Silva. So. I don't know where Oviedo is on this. Um, I don't. I think he was in the far off uh, attacking third when we turned the ball over, so he still hasn't made his way back. And then we kind of we have Ojeda and Pablo Ruiz not really doing anything, and Pablo Ruiz lets a couple guys just get, walk right into the box, um, including uh, Yumichara, who ends up being the one that smashed the post. Um, really lucky that one wasn't a goal. But that was kind of just another little thing that happens where our midfielders can sometimes just really lose focus uh, when we don't have like a true number six who I mean, how often how often do we see Kyle Beckerman essentially becoming like a third center back uh, so many times? And that's just not something we're getting from um, this midfield right now. Yeah, I mean, Uh, by design. And that's where I have my biggest concern. And. It'll be the case against Austin, too. They're a team that's dangerous. They're second in the West for a reason. Yeah. And we'll get there. But I don't know. We're, we're easily opened up in the midfield. And I think it doesn't really matter who's playing. Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think that's um, I don't think it does either. So Sergio, hell, he comes out with 71st. So sometime before that. Um, yeah. Maybe the 60th ish. Yeah. I really want to find that moment. Um, I'll also help look. Oh, actually, I'm also I'm also looking. Sorry. <laughs> Wonderful podcasting. Oh, there was a really <laughs> there was a rough one at the sixty the, in the sixtieth minute, which wasn't or was that the moment? It might have been. Um, but anyway, it's not super important. There was just the moment where, oh, Cordova. <laughs> sometimes it's just, yeah. Sometimes it's just not there, which is frustrating. Um, but you know he's had really good moments this season, so hopefully, um, now that we're in the playoffs, you know let's make them count and let's go to let's go to Vancouver and and do and do the dang or not Vancouver. Let's go to Austin and do the dang thing. I just was looking at a Vancouver score. Um, 
so yeah, that was uh, that was kind of frustrating. He gets subbed out. So at, at some point, we had so, so, uh, we brought in Brody Hidalgo for Chang. We brought in Miram for Savarino. We brought in Julio for Cordova, and then we bring in Lawfulson for Rubio Rubin, which is kind of an interesting sub uh, because Rubio Rubin or Lawfulson kind of became like a like a ten again. I don't know if you guys thought the same thing. He kind of, he, I don't I mean, know. Nominally, at least. I didn't, I didn't really uh, look at his heat map or anything. Yeah, I've got it up right now. Let's see. But we took out an attacker and brought five another passes. Man. Eight touches total. So it's going to be hard to pinpoint. Yeah. And they're kind of all over. He was a couple times making runs in behind. So essentially, we it kind of moved. looked like we moved into a, I mean, he was, is he's sort of a winger, but I don't know. Whatever. I thought Miram came in and played really well. Uh, there was this really awesome moment where, in the seventy fifth minute, uh, and then seventy six minutes, seventy four fifty nine, uh, Miram takes some contacts like in, right at the beginning of the attacking third. Um, gets by one guy, gets by a second guy, takes some more contact, and then plays Anderson Julio in in on goal. Absolutely should have scored there. There's like no real excuse at all why Anderson Julio couldn't score one-on-one against the keeper and he's got most of the goal completely wide open he just shanks a left-footed shot so um didn't love that <laughs> would like a lip a bit more uh clinical play in the final third but you know is what it is and then we have a really great moment of course in the 82nd minute which is uh some beautiful link up play with uh Bodie Hidalgo and Jasper Loffelsund who combined for what ended up being the dagger in this one, of course, um, and Bodie Hidalgo's first MLS goal and the first goal scored by a Utah-born homegrown RSL player, which is pretty fun. Uh, but it, it was a really nice play where Bodie Hidalgo has the ball on the right side of the 18, um, just outside, plays a beautiful little through ball into Jasper Laufelsen, who Manchester City zone passes the ball right back to Bodie Hidalgo and um, and gets him. Uh, Trevor, let me check that time timestamp. 7558 or 6558. 6558. That's a moment where a does a thing. And I don't remember if it was because I seem to remember it was a little bit more egregious than that one. Uh, oh, I know. I know this one. Now, th- this was not it. This is not the one we're talking about. No. Okay. This was one I wanted him to do better. But Ooh, hold uh, on. Loss oh. of possession, Cordova, five times. No, that More that was one of them. Trevor, no, that that was one of them. There was this one and there was one more. This was a really bad one. Uh, check the 50th minute. Oh, tre- How does he not hit? Yep, this that was definitely one of them. He tried to do the cutback thing. So he's gone away with the cutback thing a couple times and been really cute with it and scored some goals. Uh, when it doesn't work, it looks not good. And that was... That was an example. So there were three in the second half, I think, that were that were pretty frustrating. But um, in any case, uh, really, I think I thought it was a really great performance from RSL, from mostly from start to finish. Like I said, there were a couple moments in the second half toward the end where I thought we lost some focus. I think we were just really going all out for some goals. Which hey, we haven't scored three goals in a game since the last time we won, probably against <laughs> Minnesota, which was a long time ago. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was uh, overall. I thought this was a great. really great game. I really liked uh, Brian Ojeda and Brian Oviedo. 
but I, I know there was a lot of talk about Ojeda um, being a really good midfielder. Um, I think he is a really good midfielder. I thought he played really well this game. And I think, um, yeah, I, I'm very happy to see uh, how he's fitting in with the squad at this point. I think he's, I don't know, he just did a lot of things really well. Uh, yeah. Sorry, o- Ojeda or Oviedo? Uh, what did both, I say? I'm, both. But you mentioned them both and then I missed which one you were just uh, talking about. Mainly talking about, oh boy, that was, dude, there were, pro- I think there might have been four yeah, we're looking at 50-40 here. Oh, yeah. Man. Okay, 50-40 50, 50 in the first game, minute of the game. That's the, that's the moment for those who want to follow along at home. That's the moment we're talking about where Sergio was incredibly See, frustrating. What's weird about that, <laughs> yeah. too, is that... <laughs> Matt's... There's, there's a screenshot you can post for the episode. Just Unfortunately, kidding. it's hard to take more. screenshots of uh, YouTube TV. That's right. Basically, at right 50 dogs. minutes and 48 seconds, Sergio Cordova makes a face, and that was all of us at that moment as well. Oh, look at all the fans. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, I'll grab the screen cap because I'm on my computer. So, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to say, I think you were saying the same thing, but I was going to say that Ojeda was incredible. Ojeda, um, yeah, I, he was awesome. I really, really like Ojeda. I really like what he brings. I think he's an incredibly talented player. Um, the same guy, KAR Soccer. I wish I knew his name. I used to know his Steve. name. Is it Steve? I think so. We'll say it's Steve, and then we'll find out and correct ourselves later. Steve, I was really high on, on Ojeda as well. And... um. Yeah, I just I think Actually, it's I if anything, it's it's a great upgrade simply for the um like the age factor. He's a lot younger. Um and if you can I feel like even if he's clearly not better than our best, he's he's at least as good as um any starting guy we put on the field in that position. Um and being a very young guy, that's a really good thing to have. Um, I think it's certainly an upgrade at that position, and we definitely have needed upgrades at that position. Yeah, we've been talking about it throughout the season. Um, and I'm like, kind of like, liking Jasper off the bench. Like that's that's like a nice thing to have coming off the bench, if you ask me. Yeah, it. I agree. Um, it's a lot better than bringing sure Scott Caldwell in off the bench, if you ask me. That for too, for sure. And that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I think Ojeda for sure is like an upgrade over. The second or third string, third or sure. fourth string, absolutely. Um, I don't think he's the number one clear cut player for that position. But if you can upgrade I mean, your third and fourth or second and third position on the depth chart with a yeah. very young guy, that's great. So looking back on the transfer window, good signing. Still a bummer of a window, but that's he's a <laughs> really good signing, and I'm and I'm really excited to see him next season. Yeah. It's it's not Steve. It's it's Randy. His last name is Davis. Randy Davis. Sorry, Randy. Wrote for MLSsoccer.com for a long time. Good stuff. Nice. Cool. Good guy. Yeah, Smart I just guy. I know your handle. I just don't. Sorry. I'm sorry, Randy. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh good little midfield core we have going. I don't think it's a great midfield core, but I think and I don't no, know who the clear, distinct winners are among Pablo Ruiz, Ojeda, and Lafelsund, or how to rank those three. I think they're generally pretty all comparable, but I like having all three of them. I think that makes us, I think adding a third one has made us a lot more solid in midfield, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, um, I do still worry about our midfield. And 
it's not about the personnel. Oh, for sure. Um, sure. It's a, it's about the shape and it's about the space between the defense and the midfield. And we weren't punished this time, I think because well, Portland stunk, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And there not may good. be material causes for that. We can't really get in their heads to figure that out, but we can say they stunk yeah. and they're usually a lot better in the midfield. And yeah, having Diego Chara out didn't help. Probably plays a part, but ah, uh, I it it still gives me pause for thought. That's where I where I end up. Yeah, we'll yeah. see how things go against Austin. It'll be really interesting. I think Austin's an interesting one because um, they give up a lot of chances too, and they haven't been awesome lately. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Eric Williamson is a manager's decision to hold him out of. Uh, hold him out of that game, which kind of didn't make a ton of sense. Wouldn't feel good, I guess. So, yeah, no. I, I think like he posted some stuff on his Instagram and then deleted it. So, Oh, what did he um, post? He posted the little graph between like the F around and find out thing. Um, oh, and he liked a tweet saying, you're the most valuable asset to the team. Hope you go somewhere where they'll treat you as such. As long <laughs> as you're around, this ain't it. So, there's something weird going on there. There's some external stuff, of course, but I'd like to see RSL punishing a team because uh, that yeah. doesn't ever happen. That hasn't happened for a long time. So, yeah, uh, like, I mean, like this is the team that Portland fielded was a much better team than what uh, DC United fielded in here and we couldn't score against them. So um, very, very happy to see the result for this one. Um I don't know if you guys want to talk at all about like, you know, we had pretty much given up on the season, I think. <laughs> that the summer going into this game had been so utterly depressing that it's um it was really hard to to be i mean look i have a lot of fun going to rsl games i love seeing my friends i, I love the environment it's like something I'll, I'll always love to do but i mentioned this on twitter i said rsl is at the end of what's been the rest the worst for, run of form in history and now they've got Bodie Hidalgo burying a goal to make a 3-0 and a make or break game while building up and passing like their Manchester City. Oh, make and or break. And like is we good. haven't seen this for we haven't seen the team play like this for so long. Trevor, I know you mentioned this uh on on Twitter during the game as well and you were like expressing an opinion that I think we all shared where it's like we feel like this team would be better in the long run if if there was some like accountability for uh for what's taken place this through the second half of the season, especially um, and playoffs have a, making the playoffs have a way of erasing that in a lot of, in a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people stick around longer than I feel like they should when, when playoffs are achieved, when it's such, it, I don't think it's a very impressive goal in this league to get seventh in a, in your con in your respective conference and make the playoffs with zero chance of hosting a home game. <clears throat> Yeah, like they've uh, we've we've not there's yeah, there's no chance. I think last year we had a chance if we made the uh, final and it was against Philly. But like that was it. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, like I was saying, I think we, you know, had a belief that like we, we might be better off not making the playoffs so we can really have an honest look at ourselves and make the changes we need to and make the like the pressure be on this organization to to put out a, a better team, a better, a, a, you know, better game plan for each game. Um, and I there was a lot of things said toward the end of the season by certain members of the front office that made me concerned about that. One of which was John Kimball going on 
the radio saying that we have the roster to compete for an MLS cup. That was concerning and host a home game and host a home game. And that was just, that's just objectively false. And so when I hear stuff like that from people in the organization, I don't think it's irrational to think that maybe if this team doesn't make the playoffs, they take a look at themselves and say, Oh, I went on the radio and lied to a bunch of people because (laughs) it wasn't true. And I still think it's what he said is not true. If they prove me wrong through the course of this playoffs, no one will be happier than me because I would love to win. <laughs> but yeah. I and this isn't you know, unusual in sports, right? Not at all. There's yeah, 100%. no. It's just it's it's a different form of optimism, right? I think so. We <laughs> had this discussion a, before the game with Andy Larson, who is on the other end of this. Yeah, it. Andy, before the game, um, we were all just hanging out in the tailgate lot, and Andy Larson was standing there, and he was the guy that's like, "I want to win today. We're going to win today's." Today's the day we're going to win because I always want my team to win. And I totally get that. And that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I love that form of optimism. And that's me like on game day, watching the game. I want my team to win yes. every single time. And being I, in the stadium, loved the goals, loved the win, loved the Absolutely. Somebody, so I don't remember who it was. Somebody asked me um, before the game, like, are you going to cheer if they score? And I was like, absolutely, dude. Like if we're down four goals and we score a goal, I'm going to be happy because like we scored a goal. Are you kidding? I love, me? The, I love the boys on the field too. Like I want yeah, them like, all to have success. We are always rooting for the team to win. However, in the long term, it is a form of optimism. I think to see, to have the team like have a real reckoning with itself and have the team set new goals and realize that the playoffs these days isn't a good enough goal. Like, for the last two years, we've squeaked into the playoffs in basically last place on the very last day. And this year, it was a little bit different of a squeak, but we're still seventh. And we still got in there on tiebreakers. Like we're, you know, it's wasn't a good end of the season. It wasn't a good middle two thirds of the season. Yeah. And winning the final game doesn't really cover that up. It shouldn't cover that all up. I don't think. And I, I think. Uh, wasn't like, tiebreakers like, to be clear. We, I think we were in, one, in by one point ahead of Portland. Yeah. yeah, right. That's okay. Sorry, I got that wrong. Um, but yeah, it's if there's something that could happen that would have the team realize that making the playoffs isn't good enough, and like we're not satisfied with that. I'm as a person, as a fan of the team, looking back in the season, I'm not satisfied with just getting in the playoffs. Like the playoffs are fun and playoffs are good, but you can't have the president of the team. And the coaching staff of the team and the players coming out and saying, this is a championship team. Like that's the goal. And like, that's what we want to achieve. And then at the end of the season, take seventh place, barely make it in the playoffs and be like, yep, nope, we're good. That's exactly what we wanted. We have no reason to make any changes. Like that's not the case. It's not. If you're setting the, if you as the organization are setting the expectation that you're a championship caliber team, you should be one, two, three, maybe four. Yeah. And you're and like not. The, so like it's not good enough. And if you're just simply going to go, well, no, it's okay because we we hit our actual only goal yeah. of making the playoffs, then that's not good enough. So that when we were all talking for the last couple of weeks and on Twitter and on the podcast about maybe it might be a good thing to not make the playoffs, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about we want our team to lose. We we desperately need this. That wasn't what we we're doing because yeah. we also know that there's a realistic possibility we could miss the playoffs and the team wouldn't care. Yeah, that's we don't exactly. Know, we don't know what this ownership is going to do. We know that the ownership has said that they want to win championships, but 
we haven't seen that happen yet. And it's very possible that they go through this offseason and we have basically the same roster and basically the same coaching staff. And we have basically the same team we've had for the last five or six years. That's yeah. still a possibility and that's still an option. And we get that. And we're Regardless still going to if we made the playoffs or not. Yeah. But if we didn't make the playoffs, we were hoping that the idea would be that the ownership would go, okay, that's not good enough. Let's retool this whole thing. Because so I mean, that's, that's what we hope. That's what we want. We yeah. want our team to get better. I don't want to have the se- the same second half of the season that we had this year. And yeah, I think it, it's what's what's frustrating to me is like it. I mean, there was never really any big admission that we no. had completely failed through the second half of this <laughs> this season. Like, uh, you, you know, you see the club. I you know, I, I it's it's the club Twitter account. It's fine. Like, it's it's what they should be doing. Like, you know hyping the fans up or whatever but it's like there's this like gloating of you know we proved the mls rider is wrong they said we were going to be 11th and we got seventh like suck it it's like <laughs> and let's here's a video of draymond green punching jordan Poole or whatever and but we're the you're draymond green in the situation and let's delete the tweet but it lives on forever in our hearts because we all saw it um it's just like you know, I get why the club does that, but it's like to hear, you know, and you don't want to be demotivating to your or unmotivating to your players to, to talk about how much you struggled. But it's just like, I mean, it was really unacceptable there for a while. We heard Pablo get mad once after the Austin game, but it was like so Most much more than, anger. Yeah, it was really a game that none of us thought we were going to win. It was very weird um, after the DC game where he was happy with it. It was very confusing. So. I've received nothing but kind of like really gaslighty stuff from the club. And it was so maddening to me that I thought the only way they can have an actual reckoning with how bad this season was is to crash out of the playoffs after, you know, publicly saying we're basically like in the running for the supporter shield because of how good we've been. We started this this whole thing and then to flame out in the way they had. Missing the playoffs would be like really putting a bookend of being like, okay, yeah, we're not we're not built for the for how we thought we were. But now, you know, making the playoffs kind of changes the equation a little bit. And I'm really happy. I was really happy about that, like being at that game. I had such a such a great time. I'm not convinced this is the best thing for us in the long term. If we win MLS Cup this year, then that is incredible and amazing. If we don't, then we still have to reckon with the fact that this was a really bad season for like two thirds of it. It was like really, really rough. And a lot of people were in the stands for a lot of those games, including us and had a miserable time. And so I am optimistically thinking that I had I a fun would, time with both of you. I had a great time hanging out with my friends. That was the best, the best part Always of do. the best part of RSL for the second half of this year was tacos and seeing my friends it was not the product on the field which was miserable for so much of the season i think but it, it bears repeating oh no go on you no finish. no it does bear repeating that we've been stuck in this perpetual limbo since 2015 yeah yeah uh 24 so 2019 i mean the the weirdest year uh yeah. freddy juarez rescues a season somehow yeah and RSL finishes in third in the West. Mm-hmm. Weird, weird season. Um, but you go back before that. And so from 2018, uh, we have a finish in sixth uh, edge of the playoffs. Finish I in think eighth. There was, a, there was a pet key year where we got in because of a different team's result. I yeah, that. that would be 2018. Yeah. Uh, 2017, 
finished in eighth outside of the playoffs. Uh, 2016, I don't remember if sixth was in the playoffs or not. Uh, the table on MLSsoccer.com is broken, but if it is, it's the edge of the playoffs. Uh, in 2015, ninth out of 10. So it, it becomes this pattern, right? Yeah. And, like, and I think we, we all want to yeah. see something better. Yeah. Uh, then we want to see improvement. And that's, that, was, that was another thing that uh, I got a couple tweets about. Somebody, a few people were like, what's wrong with making the playoffs and then improving from there? And there's nothing. That would be another great outcome. Like I said, there's an op, op, there's a possibility that the ownership would see a terrible season, not make the playoffs, and then not really make any cha- changes mm-hmm. because that's an option. There is also the option of the of us making the playoffs, maybe making a deep run, and then ownership saying, hey, maybe if we spent a little bit more money, we could improve this team and be even yeah. better next year. That's also an option, and nobody's ruling that out. We just think that given the history likely. of the club <laughs> – it's more likely for them to make changes if they don't hit their horrible stated goal of just simply making the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So we that's, need that's, evidence that's, that that's changed, right? right. Yeah. We, that's where we're coming from as fans and like disagree if you want, but that I doesn't make us bad fans. Doesn't make us bad analysts. Doesn't make us bad anything. We just want the team to be better. And however, whatever path that takes, we're all on the same train. We all want the team to be yeah. better in will, seventh place in the West. I will put up with no bad fan talk uh, about people who are going, who are season ticket holders going to every game, tailgating, being in the supporter section, screaming, et cetera. Like, no, <laughs> you don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it. You don't get to say that about don't people. Don't accept that. And especially from people who I don't see at games. But I will also say that, um, uh, like, yeah, Trevor, I think you're you're absolutely right that like it it's a complete matter of just how we think ownership front office is going to react. It has nothing to do with wanting failure for a team because I don't view I, I I already view as assuming we don't win MLS Cup this year. I do think that this season was uh, a bit of a failure, and I and I what I'm sympathetic to and what I see people bring up is that ownership hasn't had that much time. Yeah. And, and we absolutely have been in a very insane ownership, uh, tumultuous period for the last six years or something. I don't, I don't know when the Deloitte stuff really started going downhill. Um, 2015. At least, yeah, yeah, 20, well, at least publicly for the last two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's been bad for a while and it got publicly bad for even longer. And then we were without an ownership for a, a long time. Now we have owners, they didn't exactly prove themselves in the first two windows of opportunity that they had. Uh, And when I say didn't exactly, I mean, they absolutely didn't. Um, They made kind of bare minimum signings and we've gotten kind of the bare minimum out of some players. I think we've done decently well considering uh, certain injuries, but we really did have a really bad back half of the season. So I'm sympathetic to the idea that, you know, they just need more time, (laughs) I guess. To do other things. And um, but the reality is like, you know, there are guys, there are people in the front office who have been here through all of this. I think I, I don't I mean, and Tom mostly. Hackett wrote about how the pressure is on Elliot and it should be on Tony Beltran, I guess. I'm not entirely no, he's clear. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, we, we, yeah, he's we fine. accept no Tony Beltran or right. slander well, or criticism uh, on the stand of Tony Beltran. I, I Okay. Yeah. I hope he's doing well on the bench press at lifetime right now. Cause I can only assume that's what he's doing at 1154 or five 
PM on a Wednesday. Um, um, I will say, I, I think his role has primarily been focused on Real Monarchs. Okay, that's good. Because be I think they've been, I and uh, good for him then, because he does deserve a bit of a, some credit for what the Monarchs did. The Monarchs had the complete inverse of what RSL did this <laughs> yeah. season. Um, and then we have Luke Mulholland as our head scout. And by all accounts, I have no idea what's going on there. All I know is that Andy Williams tweets angry things about RSL and seems to be very bitter about certain uh, <laughs> certain things about. I mean, he did tweet the uh, um, the, the uh, I think that like there were the stats showing that Cano or however you say his name is like the best strike in the world right now. Yep. You know, huh. another player that he scored the most league goals I mean, this year. I, I, I have I concerns about the scouting department because this, the players we've signed have mainly been, uh, I mean, a loanee from other uh, Blitzer clubs or just our second or third option guys as described by uh, Pablo on, on the radio. Like they weren't our first options. So, and, and we spent a lot of time going after the inevitable signing Gustavo Cuellar um, and maybe at the expense of other players, which I don't I know. Mean, maybe if it works, then, you know, we've yeah, signed the guy who holds sure, tiny water bottles. Good. And I can't wait for that. I, I, all of that to say is like, I'm sympathetic to the idea there's more time, but I will also say that there are guys that are still here that have been here through all of this. And, uh, you know, they, uh, theoretically have more resources resources at their disposal now that they didn't have when we didn't have an owner or when Deloitte wasn't willing to sign off on checks um, that I would have expected to kind of just get over the finish line because we were told so many times that Deloitte Hansen was the reason we weren't getting a lot of these players that we had supposedly uh, had at the, at the finish line. So I don't know. I, there's a lot of things at play at play here. I get why people are, I, I, I'm sympathetic to people being a little off put by people thinking that it's better off if we miss the playoffs. Um, but I would like for the discussion to be about the merits of that. And I feel like we just described that pretty well because, yeah, again, we are there every home game wanting this team to win, holding ourselves back from cheering incredibly loudly in the press box or being in the stands going nuts when we when we do score. So. Um, you don't always hold yourself back for whatever. I don't. Right. I absolutely don't. When I almost did a swan dive when that Anderson Julio goal happened last season oh, against like the Galaxy or whatever. Such incredible. And some other good moments earlier this season. There were less of them as the time went on. But yeah, anyway. I think that's a really good point about continuity because we've we've given a lot of people a lot of leeway for a lot yeah. of time. And I think that's OK. Um, I do, too. But when the situation materially improves, which we have been told it did, what we've seen has largely been fan-focused improvements and the ability to sign loan players from clubs that we may not have had the like entry points to. Yeah. And, and maybe there's more, right? Yeah. But we've been giving the benefit of the doubt for a long time. And at some point when the situation changes, that doubt either has to be renewed and we have to have you know good reason to give them the benefit of that uh, or we get over it. Uh, yeah. And right now I'm kind of in the, the I, I'm kind of over the, the benefit of the doubt thing. Yeah. Like 
because they, they have had a year. It's yeah. not like ownership needs to come in and set up a bunch of bank accounts and move money around for players, right? Yeah. Like, we don't want, we have said we don't want ownership as involved as Deloitte Hansen. Right. So why are we blaming ownership now? Yeah. I think it's a great well, it's point. It's just, it's, yeah, like along the lines of what Kyle was saying about how we've had all the people, not all the people, but a lot of the people in the front office have been there for years and years. And including a director or a, a VP of soccer operations who has been there for eight years, nine years, years and years worked and for Loy Hansen before that. Yeah. We now have a team goes. president who worked for the team before then left and is now back with the team. Like these are not inexperienced people with an inexperienced club that like don't know how to do their jobs and are just figuring it out. Like they've been around for a while. Yeah. Literally the only difference was the person writing the checks and how willing they are to write the checks. Exactly. And so like we've had, I feel like this whole season, <clears throat> well, we've had several years of giving people benefit of doubt or giving people the leash. And I feel like this whole season, we kind of, at the beginning of the season, when the new ownership was announced, we were kind of hoping things would change immediately and they didn't. And that's fine. Cause like, you know, got to give us some time and then we had the summer window summer transfer window and we were like is this the moment where we're going to see the like the changes that we've been promised and no it wasn't but at the end of the season whenever that end of the season is that's kind of when you hope that the ownership has had plenty of time to establish how many checks what amount of checks what kind of checks are going to be okaying and letting people do their job and they should by this point like we said know how to do their job so yeah. the, to me, this whole season is, no, it's not whatever, but the end of the season, when we're all done and we begin the off season, that's when we're really on the clock and it's like, we're really doing it. The, the leash is over. We're, we're finally in the new era and we should be seeing what the new era of new ownership is. And I just really hope that it's much better than the last seven years. Cause there's been several times throughout this season where I've been in the stand and I feel like it's a Jeff Kassar or Mike Petke coach team. And we're just in the doldrums of summer and it's just boring, not exciting soccer. And we're just losing and tying games. And that's what a lot of this season felt like. It really reminded me of the worst of the Jeff Kassar and the worst of the Mike Petke years on the field. Yeah. And that was a very miserable time. And I just, I don't want that so much. And yeah. I, I think I mean, to be clear, all of us are grateful that the off the field situation has improved. Oh, oh absolutely. And like nobody's divine, yeah. that. 100%. I feel so much better about supporting this team. Um, it feels it feels so. And I I had this conversation. Uh, I've had this Tyler, this conversation with Tyler Gibbons a couple of times about how much better it is to be concerned about like the product on the field. Like it's so yeah. much more fun for us to be able to talk about do these podcasts about the team and the play and the players, the coach, et cetera, and literally just be focused on the product in the field and not have to talk about the fact that our owner is like joking about, you know, hanging a black player on an opposing team or whatever. Like, yeah, this is an infinitely better situation. And I'm very glad about that. So like establishing that baseline where we're not talking about really awful things that are taking place outside um the field of play is 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 a luxury i'm not taking for granted because it was really it felt really 
bad there for a while. And we did that roundtable episode with the RSL show where we were just talking about how, like, how much we all care about this club and how much we, I don't think Deloitte had said he was going to sell yet, but how much we just wanted it to be like back to how it was and this club being about like successful soccer and being like a good soccer team. And Deloitte Hansen made it about a lot of other things more than just being a, a soccer team. It was about a lot of really bad things that were happening. So we are already operating from a much better place. And that happened the second we cleaned house of Deloitte Hansen and, and, and uh, Andy Carroll and folk. But and, and so I'm very, very grateful for that. But like, you know, like we're saying, let's we're talking about soccer. And we're talking about the soccer team. I would have expected a little bit more from ownership already, because like Matt was saying, like, are we relying on David Blitzer to scout players for us? No, I mean, no, because we're we're also relying on XRSL for an office member, Dane Murphy, to help us out with Ojeda. That's actually <laughs> kind of a funny point. I didn't think about I forgot that he's in Nottingham Forest. Um, yeah. Wow. What a kind of a miss with Dane Murphy, sort of. Anyway. Yeah. But I uh, we, we picked Pecky in that one. I know. That's yeah, we picked the wrong horse. Really disappointing. Um, yeah, that I. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, I would have. I honestly would have expected more at this point. I know people are like, we got to give over ownership time. And like I said, I'm sympathetic, but I'm also I feel like how Matt described where it's like we've got guys in place. There's there's certain amounts of continuity here where we've kept the good people around and I'm willing to to believe and go along with because i think it's true that we have good people in this organization we got rid of the toxic ones um and you know i would have expected them to continue doing their jobs and based on what we were told there was a lot of checks that just needed to get over the line that didn't have deloitte's approval i would expect those same situations to be completed and we haven't seen evidence of that so far and i'm willing to give more time uh you know i think it's important that you know we have the season's ending soon we have the world cup and then we have uh transfer window and the season begins um but you know uh i'll give i i think after that if nothing big changes if we make western conference final again and they're like well we don't need to do anything we made western conference final it's going to feel a lot like uh i feel a feeling our 2023 is going to be very similar to 2022 so well if if it is the same, at least we'll go into it knowing that we're just going to make the Western Conference Finals again, and so we don't have to care about the season. Like, honestly, true. if we do make the Western Conference Finals again this year on this team, like, I I don't want to say this and, like, put this on record, but I might you be should. a believer in Pablo Mastroeni and just, like, <laughs> let him be our coach because, like I said, like, I can deal with a really garbage, crappy season if we have a really good playoff run, but... Last year's one of the only years that I've ever seen a professional team have just a terrible season and a miraculous playoff run. Like that yeah. doesn't happen. That's not the norm. No. Yeah. no. But if we get the coach that can manage to produce those results over and over, fine. Sure. I the problem is and I mean that that run was a lot of fun. Yeah. We all had a great time until the Portland match started uh and Aaron Herrera got sent off. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, but but that Seattle game is not going to happen again in our lifetimes. Nope. Like that doesn't happen, right? 
and it happens once every thousand games. We hit that thousandth game, and uh, it was fun, uh, but it was not good soccer. No, it, there was it nothing wasn't. good about what we did aside well, from the penalty shootout. There's nothing. Well, and that's the point. Like, there's nothing good about what we've done under Pablo Mastroeni. Yeah. Like we've won a couple of games, but we've not because like we're a good team. A lot of times it's just because the other team plays bad or it's snowing a lot or, you know, like whatever the ball's bouncing the right way. The wind's blowing the right way. We're getting the right calls. Like, like Pablo said several times, it's got nothing to do with the play on the field. It's all the other external factors that play into the game. And that's why we win games. Yeah. Well, whatever. If we get to the Western Conference Finals every year or the MLS Cup, like <laughs> Pablo for life, dude. <laughs> yeah. Because then all of our arguments sure. go out the window about him not actually being a good coach because yeah. he can. But the, like, yeah, like Matt said, that's feel pretty comfortable saying that's not going to happen because we can't reproduce that kind of stuff. The once in a million game, once in a thousand game results of winning a game with zero shots at all. Yeah. And and maybe we have a good game, and maybe we do really well in the playoffs, and that that'd be fun. But uh, yeah, like again, we want this team to win every single game that they play, and sometimes we're realistic about our chances with winning, and our chances against Austin in Austin in the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe we get like the expansion team being nervous about their first playoff game, and so maybe they don't sure. like maybe experience wins out because sometimes that does happen, and. Who knows? We could win that game, but then we've still got several other much better teams that have beaten us multiple times right after that. And Austin was the team we gave up a 20-minute hat trick to, so mm-hmm. to a substitute. Yeah. So, I mean, Austin's had, I mentioned it earlier, but they haven't had great form. They just drew Colorado. They lost to Vancouver, and then they drew uh, Nashville before that, and the prior game was, you know, beating us 3-0. But, um, you know, it's... It's not out of the realm of possibility that we uh, go there and 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 play play pretty well. I'm not I'm not incredibly nervous about this, um, but I think they're they've been a really they've been the far better team this season. Um, but if you guys, I mean, if you guys uh, aren't aware, uh, RSL and Salt and Austin have never drawn any of our matches. Where it's two and two, two wins, two two wins for each team. And Austin have not kept a clean sheet in five matches. So if we're, if, if, if I think if we're attacking in the same way that we were attacking against Portland, I think that we have a decent chance of getting a result at the weekend. And um, I will also mention that there are two different watch parties taking place this weekend. Um, I believe one is at the stadium at Rio First Stadium or whatever, and the other one is at uh, Beer Bar, if I remember correctly. I can't find the post anymore. I've heard about, about Beer right. Bar being a place to watch the game. I don't know. I don't know if it was announced as like anything super official, but like obviously <laughs> Beer Bar is definitely a place to watch an RSL game. You always. shouldn't be able to delete tweets. <laughs> it should just be there forever. <laughs> um, I swear, one said. Uh, I want to make sure I have this right. Keep an eye on the Real oh, Salt Lake Twitter feed email. because I am sure that they will. Well, they haven't read out sent stuff out, about watch parties. Weirdly, they have. They've sent out an email though, so there. I swear there was one that they deleted. But anyway, so there's one at 
uh, the, there's two official watch parties, one at America first field, uh, 1 PM doors open at noon. You can watch the game from the field, bring blankets and chair and chairs concessions available. And then the other one is at beer bar at one, uh, 21 plus obviously. So it is uh, at 1 PM on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So hopefully I see people at one of those. I'm not sure which one I will be uh, in attendance in of. But yeah, anyway. Uh, Weather report for Sandy on Sunday. I mean, I'm it's looking, looking nice for the oh, foreseeable yeah. future. Looks incredibly comfortable. Yeah, this is uh, great. 72 I'm, and sunny. It's the same weather for the next <laughs> yeah, for 10 the next days. Day. Yeah, yep. I was talking about some coworkers. With it. It's literally the same every single day, <laughs> and it's like the best time of year for it. I love October. Yeah. I had the same weather all summer too. But. It's definitely fall in Utah this week um, so far. Take advantage of it. Go outside. Look at the colors because this is the best time of the year to be in Utah, and it only usually historically lasts like two to three weeks. Yeah. So yeah. go outside. It's really awesome. Um, and yeah, if you're going to the mountains, now is the best time to for fall in the mountains. Of course, we'll get a little bit, a bit more valley fall as the month continues. But I do think that it's important that you all sign my change.org petition to make October. Uh, we're going to make it 60 days. We're going to steal 15 days from September, right. steal 15 days from November. The sense right. being that like it really helps you. You can start Halloween festivities early. You know, once it hits October 1st, everyone likes to immediately turn into Halloween mode. I think if we move that September ends on September 14th, um, we'll all be woken up a little bit earlier as the Green, green Day song goes. October starts early <laughs> and then Halloween becomes October 46th. And then uh, <laughs> the first half of Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, the first half of of things of November is useless because people are just waiting for Thanksgiving. So I think that's naturally, true already, yeah, yeah, you have the Halloween wind wind down for the next fifteen uh, fifteen days, and then I mean, I, I could be talked into bumping Halloween back fifteen days, but I think we might be getting into too cold territory depending on the year. Mm. Um, I see. So you're we're still keeping it like. It would be the 45th day of October. It would either be the of a 60-day month. Yeah, it would be the 45th day or the 6th. It would be October 60th. We could just do the 31st and it'd be nice and warm. <sighs> but it's nice to have like a little bit of briskness in the air. If you, you ask still me, have to like let people have their Halloween decorations for a month and a half. I could also be talked into two Halloweens. I think we could do <laughs> Halloween okay. on the 46th and the Halloween on the 60th. And we could uh, call the last one, one Halloween ends. That's we could make we, Halloween a 15-day holiday. Wait, why is <laughs> Halloween not like Hanukkah where it's like <laughs> where it's 15 days? Well, Halloween Hanukkah's not 15 days, but like is Han- I don't know how many days Hanukkah is, but it's like the Okay, I'm not Jewish. Like, give me a give me a freaking break, all right? What if it's the 12 days of Christmas but it's 15 days of of Halloween? Wow, I think we've solved it. Okay. I this is right. great. Um Community events every day of Halloween, including trick-or-treating every other day on all the odd days, obviously. Um, and the, okay, this is good. I think a 15-day Halloween period is very smart because especially it's very frustrating for when for children when Halloween falls on a weekday, which it prime it usually does. I mean, the only good Halloween Five days are seven Friday. Days. Yeah, it's only Friday or Saturday are the good Halloween days. And that only happens two out of every seven years. 
So it's important that we could also make sure that there's trick-or-treating taking place on weekends. Halloween begins, and then the trick-or-treating starts on the first weekend after Halloween begins. And even if it's on Halloween, it falls on a Friday or Saturday, then it's trick-or-treatings that day. If not, it's the next Friday or Saturday. All right, cool. So 15 so, days of Halloween. Uh, there's only 15 days in November, but they're the good days of November because like perfect. most of that's Thanksgiving time. So great. Two things. Sure. Should know that Hanukkah is eight days and eight nights because of the Adam Sandler songs. All right. Well, <laughs> fair and enough. the Adam Sandler movie. Okay. Well then. So fair keep enough. that in mind. Um, the other thing is, <laughs> oh, hold on. I was just looking at it. Now I forgot because of that. No, I don't remember what the second thing was. I had a second thing. That was a thing. good. The first thing was the eight days. The second thing was yeah. the eight nights. Um, yeah, so it's <laughs> like Hanukkah times 1.9 or whatever. And no, that's that's what the second thing. You said it's two out of every seven seven years it's yeah. on whatever. And with leap years, it actually changes the math a little bit. It's not okay. exactly two leap out of every seven. Leap sucks, man. <laughs> whatever. It's something what like I think nine we just or lose 10 the out of every 28, time. something like that. So too. Who even cares about leap year? Well, I, I mean, know, eventually I sunset and sunrise would be at like 3 a.m. That's And true. that's probably not good. I'll I think, tell you who cares about leap years. Hmm. Friggin' Taylor Twelman. He was born on February 29th. So he makes a big deal of, out of oh, it. Dang, is he? So he's only year. like uh, 10 years old or whatever? Yeah, something like that. Do you guys? I, yeah. saw, I, was, I was looking at the comments. <laughs> I, was, I was watching the RSL Portland highlights on like, it was either MLS's channel or Portland's channel. And uh, it was so funny. Someone said, this guy always, he said, I can't remember if he said this guy or he said Taylor's name, but he was like, he always sounds so mad when he's (laughs) like uh, complimenting players when they score. Like he just is like yelling and he sounds really angry. And I didn't notice that, but I went and listened to the highlights and he sounds just like he's like mad at the whoever did something good. I love it. It's so awesome. But anyway, so 60 day Halloween or October, 15 days of Halloween, I think. And RSL versus Austin on Sunday at 1 p.m. Yeah. So there you go. There's your match preview. (laughs) That's your match preview. (laughs) I mean, what else are we going to say? Aaron Herrera is out. We know that one. Aaron Aaron Herrera is out. Might be in, but he is out. Don't Don't get your helps out. And even if you do get your hopes up, and even if he does play, like he's not going to be like it's not going to be vintage prime Demir Krylock, top five RSL player of all time, Demir Krylock. Yeah, like that's not going to be what's what's Mount what Rushmore get. player. That's top four. Are there four heads on Mount Rushmore? There are four heads on Mount Rushmore. God, Depends on if somebody's standing on, on top Rushmore. of it. Wow, there and, are four heads carved into uh, Mount Rushmore. Well, their whole faces actually. But, um, You're right, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, I feel really good about that one. I shouldn't, but I do. Oh boy, that's awesome! All right, well, it's a late. It's after midnight, so it's after midnight. I guess we'll see. Any, any last parting words? What a, I'm out of I'm out of uh, tea. I'm out of popcorn. I think it's bedtime. Yeah, I think so. I think it's bedtime. All right, well. Have a lovely night and uh, go RSL, I guess. Let's go RSL Salt Lake. RSL Salt Lake. Oh, I do think it's worth mentioning that every time RSL scores, 
there's one guy in on the west side that starts a who are you chant but it's all it's it's the most positive version of who are you that i've ever heard because it's who are you who are you real salt lake just by himself down there uh no the, the crowd joins in it's it's kind of kind of funny it's, yeah, it's nice it's a it's very uplifting instead of being guy, directed at, at the opposition please reach out to us and let us know so we can give you a proper shout out because that's cool stuff yeah anyway. all right good night good night, RSL. Good night guys go rsl